know, we always want to honor the Lord in everything that we do, bless Him with our lives, not just on Sunday mornings. And, uh, you know, this is Palm Sunday. As we look back over 2,000 years ago, I guess maybe 2,022 years ago, uh, Jesus was making his final descent into Jerusalem. Everything that he came to earth for was about to come to pass. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine the thoughts in Jesus' mind. One day we'll know. Because the Bible says when we see him face to face, we'll understand, we'll know, just as we're known. Just to think what he was thinking. We get some glimpses in Scripture. You know, the book of John shows really that last event, really it's just that last night going into the next day. And it takes several chapters, starting with chapter 13, where the have Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and then just spending, you know, chapters 14, 15, 16, 17 all in, in that room together having communion, showing them, hey, this is what this, is what this really is. It's all this putting together. And then going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And before that night, you know, the Bible says, I'm just going to kind of read through a couple scriptures here, but it's kind of cool whenever you take the scriptures like in, there's some things, you know, in the gospels that are not in every gospel, you know, not every gospel writer, you know, felt inspired to, to keep that account, but this is one of them, which is known as the triumphal entry. Jesus coming into Jerusalem, every apostle, you know, uh, that had written uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has this account of him coming in. And the Bible says that you know, Jesus sent two of his disciples. He wanted them to fetch him a donkey. <laughs> Not because he needed a ride. He didn't have taxis back then. But because he needed to fulfill Scripture. It's a, that's one, another thing that's amazing about Scripture is that a lot of these things, we look at it now as having been fulfilled, but the disciples themselves didn't even know what was going on in the moment. They don't know why they were doing the things that they were doing until after Jesus died, rose again, and was ascended in heaven, and the Holy Spirit, who was to teach us and train us of all that Jesus had, had showed us already, began to enlighten them through the Scriptures. He did that to fulfill the Scripture. And the Bible says that Jesus told his disciples, he said, go to this neighboring a town, and when you walk in, you're going to find a donkey tied and her colt with her, and I want you to bring them to me. And if someone asks you, what are you doing? <laughs> Tell them that the master needs it, and they'll let you have it. And just as Scripture always is, when Jesus speaks, the disciples went, and it happened exactly as the way that they, they were told, they saw the two, the, the donkey and her young fowl that never one, no one had ever ridden upon before. I didn't even think about it until looking at this this time because God just begins to reveal things. You know, why did you, why did you choose a colt that no one had ever ridden on before? And I just felt the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, kind of representing Jesus that you know, we know, we know one, you know, he, kings would come in on a horse, but he came in lowly on a, on a donkey. 
but the Bible says it was known as the beast of burden. And this donkey that he rode upon never had any burdens in its life. Jesus don't have any burdens, but he took on our burden as he descended into Jerusalem. And as this took place, it says in the scripture, to fulfill all that was spoken through the prophet, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus said, and they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them. And he, Jesus, sat upon them. Now he's coming into Jerusalem, and we see this should be up on the screen, Mark chapter 11. It says, many spread their coats in the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. That's why we got the palm branches. And if you didn't have a branch, you still got your palms, as they say, right? Don't cut them off, though. Keep them. And they would spread them out before him in, in his way. And those who went in front and those who followed began to praise God joyfully with loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. And they were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're talking about a people that have been oppressed for a long time. Shouting, Hosanna! It means, Lord, save! You know, when the Psalms and it came about, it was more of a prayer, a petition to God. God, save. And over time, and in this place in Scripture, it's not necessarily a prayer as it is a praise. God saves. He saves. Scripture goes on to say, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, even the king of Israel. Hosanna in the highest. God saves to the uttermost. Some people were asking, you know, one of the accounts says, some people were asking, I mean, there's, this is a big to-do. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Thousands of people are gathered around. I mean, he got, it's hard to say how many was there. I don't, I don't know. I didn't search it out to say how many people would be there, but it was a big holy day that was happening already, so there was already a lot of people in and around Jerusalem. And some people are saying, hey, what's going on? Who is this? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. They said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. And the Pharisees that stood at a distance, one translation says they stood at a distance because the Pharisees didn't like to get too close, just enough to judge from the outside. But they began to rebuke Jesus, saying, teacher, you need to rebuke your students for saying these things. And Jesus said, if I tell them to be quiet, the stones themselves will begin to break out in praise of what's happening right now. And here's the thing that gets me. Because the crowds are praising God. I mean, it's, it's jubilee. I mean, they're going out of their way. They're giving up their garments. They're, they're throwing these things down. They followed Jesus. They've seen all the miracles and signs and wonders that he has done. Some people just were late to the party, and they're just like, who's this? And they're like, oh, okay, I'm on board, yay. And they begin to, begin to worship and praise. But look what it says in, in Luke. When Jesus caught sight of the city, 
He burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over Jerusalem. To me, this was just kind of strange. I mean, here's the crowds worshiping and Hosanna, Jesus saves, yay, here we, here we go. And Jesus is weeping uncontrollably as he sees Jerusalem. And he went on to say, if only you could recognize that this day peace is within your reach. But you can't see it. All these people that were praising him, they didn't really understand what was going on. One translation says, if you only knew what it would take to bring peace. You see, the Bible tells us the reason they were praising like they were is because the Bible tells us in Luke 19, you go back a couple verses in 11, it says that they believed that when he was going into Jerusalem that he was going to overthrow the Roman government and establish his kingdom right then. They were worshiping and praising, believing this is it. He's coming. This is it right here. He's going to, he's going to overthrow the government and give it back to Israel. And out of the thousands that were praising him as he entered Jerusalem, only a few were at the cross as he hung there as a sacrifice for all the world's sin. And only 120 waited in confused faith in the upper room. They didn't understand what was going on. They kept faith. It was a little confusing, but they kept faith. I read this in a devotion this week as, you know, going up the kind of Lent that we're in right now, and it was a Lent devotion that I had on uh, version. But it says this, put yourself in the place of the first followers of Christ. Your, mind would be, your minds would be racing. This isn't anything at all like it was supposed to happen to the king of Jews. He was supposed to set everything right, mend what was broken, restore what was lost. But now it would seem all is lost. Everything is broken Nothing was made right. The crowds worshiping Jesus as he came in because they thought he was going to do what they thought he was going to do, how he should rule in that moment. But the way that he overcame was totally different from what they knew. But it was much better. It was much better. It wasn't just for a moment, it was for eternity. Let me ask you a question. Do you stop praising God when it, he doesn't save you the way that you want him to? Maybe he doesn't come through for you the way that you want him to. Do you stop praising him? What about this? Do you stop believing that Christ is your king because you have to walk through some temporary hard times? I believe, even as we had a prophetic word last week given to us as a church, I believe it's time, and we've heard these things before through the Spirit of God, it's time to enter into a higher praise and to embrace a deeper worship. Not to be able to praise God. Yes, we thank Him, we can worship Him, we can give Him our gratitude for what He does here in our lives and the little things that are here, but this is all temporal. What he did was much more than helping me take care of my bills and keeping me, you know, and, and, and healthy and whatever else is going on. It's much bigger. It's for eternity. 
that no matter what happens in this life, as the Apostle Paul said, it's, con- it's temporary light affliction compared to the weight of the glory that will be revealed to us as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You know, even after Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples still didn't get it. The apostles were there with him in the book of Acts. He had been with them for over 40 days and talking with them, sharing with them about the kingdom of God. And he's telling them he's getting ready to send back to the Father to be right there where he is right now, interceding for us. Thank the Lord. If anybody can pray, it's Jesus. Amen. He's praying for us. The Bible says in Acts 1-7, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, not just once, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? See, Jesus never came to restore Israel's kingdom. He came to restore his kingdom. Are you with me? So sometimes we have a perspective of what's wrong and why we're really worshiping. You know, if you look just at the accounts of Jesus alone and, and seeing why he came, and if you look at Scripture and see why he says he came, there's three different accounts through the Gospels. One of them, Jesus says, I came to preach the kingdom of God. That was one purpose that Jesus himself says why he came. Another one, he says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? Communion with the Father. He said this again in John, I came to give myself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And then one of the apostles said in the book of Acts, he came to destroy the works of the devil. It's okay to praise right there if you want to. Came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, there's this game that kids play right now. I don't know how long it's been, been around. Sometimes when you get a little older, you get a little slow. Maybe it's been around longer than I think. But it's called Would You Rather. Anybody ever hear that game? Would You Rather. All the kids are like, yeah, yeah, would you, would you rather. And it kind of goes something like this. I pulled this offline, and it's kid-friendly, so um, I guess they have different versions. <laughs> so be careful. Um, and it was like, when I pulled it up, it was like 200, all different categories. And here's some things that I pulled up. Would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 years into the, in, or 150 years into the past? Would you rather be forced to sing song a, would you rather be forced to sing along or dance to every single song that you hear? Would you want to be forced to sing it or dance along with it? Would you rather sneeze out your bottom or toot out your nose? Kid friendly. Would you rather have everyone you know be able to read your thoughts or for everyone you know to be able to access, with access to your internet history? Ooh, now we might be getting a little deeper. Would you rather lose your sight or lose your memories? Would you rather be forced to live the same day over and over again for a full year or take away the last three years of your life? See, I think God wants us to go to a deeper praise because the the real question is this. Would you rather be saved just for the moment or would you rather be able to have salvation for the rest of your life? And not only here on earth, but after because there's life after death. Jesus teaches that. Jesus didn't come to make your life better. He came to give you eternal life. 
And he said that eternal life is to know him and the Father who sent him. Through his sacrifice, Jesus is really saying, what I've done for you gives you freedom from the bondage of sin in this life and the power over eternal death. And that's worth praising. You know, Jesus taught himself, he said, uh, really just, you know, giving us that invitation because the Father is inviting us to come home. He wants us to come home, that we have a place. We're not abandoned on this earth. We have a place to go home to. Jesus said in Luke 17, when people were asking about the kingdom, he said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. The kingdom of God is within you. And we accept Jesus Christ in our lives. He comes to live on the inside by the power of his spirit. And we can kind of see this as David prophesied with my last scripture. Prophesied in Psalms 24. He says, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up or rejoice, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Then it repeats it again. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift up, lift, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. There's two pictures here. You know, one of them is what Jesus has done after being the sacrifice and coming to the actual throne in heaven, coming up to heaven's gates, and kind of like the angels with him worshiping the heaven's host, coming and shouting to the gates of heaven, be opened up that the king of glory can come in. Who is the king of glory? God Almighty, Jesus Christ the righteous, he comes. The other way to view it, which is totally in line in context with scripture, is that the ancient doors is our hearts. And the question is, be lifted up. Rejoice, O gates, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And we ask, who is the king of glory? It's Jesus. The Bible says that in Revelations, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone will open I will come in to him and be with him. I'll sup with him, have fellowship with him, and him with me. I want to do this. We're getting ready to go into a, another set of kind of praise, worship. And I want the focus to be more, not just, I don't want to say they're little things because everything God does is awesome, but not just being here, but what he has done for us. This is what this whole, even this weekend, going into the next week, what it's all about, what he has truly accomplished for us. Would you be able to just stand to your feet just for a moment as we get ready to worship again?